Welcome to the Bourbon and Browns podcast, where the size of the fish doesn't matter, but the amount of bourbon left in your flask does. Join us as we talk life, fishing, and everything in between with your hosts, Justin and Bryce. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Bryce here, Bourbon and Browns, episode number ten. I got Justin. Uh, I got Justin on the line, looking good as ever. Always. Uh, thanks. Thanks for joining us this week. So we haven't we haven't been able to uh, to do a podcast uh, recently. We've been we've been swamped. Uh, just things coming up. You know how it goes for us weekend warriors. Sometimes fishing falls on the back burner, but that's okay. We're making we're making our uh, our uh, return surge. So what's going on, brother? Yeah, I mean, like you're saying, like, weekend warrior status. You know, sometimes the uh, the warrior gets replaced with weekend uh, laborer, I guess. You know, doing doing bullshit around the house or whatever. Um, but, you know, you got to fight through it. And uh, I think that's what our, uh, our episode today is going to focus on, is that making the most of your, your time in the water and... You know, uh, even if you only get an hour or two on the water, you can uh, you can kind of take up a weekend with the reflection that you can have on on your trip. You know, there's a lot you can experience on the water um, in a an hour or two, um, and sometimes it's that reflection a couple hours at the end of the day, or you know, while you're you're laying in bed, or you know, you're watching some football on Sunday, where you can uh, you know really think about it. So uh, I had I had quite an interesting hour and a half, two hour trip on uh, on Saturday this past weekend. So uh, I'm sure we're going to hit that a little bit. But yeah, we'll get right into it, man. Yeah. So uh, as you all know, Justin, uh, Justin's been busy with a bunch of stuff around the house, you know, work and all that good stuff. So I've just been trying to encourage him to get out and and do some fishing because it's good for him. And yeah, it's good for uh, the soul. It is good for the soul, and when you when you have a passion like this, you know, it, it does, it feels so good to get out, and you can kind of just leave everything else behind for a couple hours, and just have some peace and quiet, time, like you said, time to think, time to just have some fun, you know, and just relax, and, you know, whether that's catching fish, seeing some wildlife, you know, or, or whatever you go out there for, everybody has their reasons, it's all positive, so, um, I, I hit Justin up over the weekend, and I was like, you know, hey, what, what, when are you thinking of doing the podcast? And, uh, and he's like, oh, sorry, man, I was out fishing this morning. And, like, that's the best response I can get back from Justin. Like, <laughs> when he's like, oh, sorry, I was on the water. I'm like, dude, I wish you didn't text me for another eight hours. And <laughs> and you were out there just, just ripping lips because uh, that's what you're good at and that's what you love to do. So, um, yeah, I'm pumped to, to hear about your, your – uh, just from the little bit of detail you provided me, I'm, I'm stoked to hear your – hear how your trip went yeah so um i mean i don't know if i, I i'm sure we kind of touched on it a little bit but um you know my my background in uh in college was psychology um it's kind of what i focused my studies around and uh you know one of the one of the biggest things that you know was basically pounded into our heads uh, with all my psychology classes was that like a lot of your growth and learning um 
from the mental side of things is when you actually have time to sit down and reflect about it. Right. So, um, I hit the water on Saturday morning and just like a lot of, you know, our listeners, I'm sure, um, I had a million and one things to do. So it's like, you know, I get an hour or two in and, you know, that's gotta be good enough for now. Um, but I hit it and for some reason, um, yesterday afternoon, you know, Saturday afternoon to the evening and then all day today, fishing was all I could think about. And, um, I really sat down and, um, had some time to think and I put in a lot of thought into my, you know, hour, two hour long trip. Um, you know, one of the, uh, one of the weird things that happened was there was a, uh, a Palomino trout, um, that was just behaving really, really weird. Um, and I've caught him multiple times already, um, along this stretch of river that I fish. Um, and it's just really insane that I've seen this fish, um, you know, uh, like totally different sections of water, um, fly fishing only sections. Um, I've seen them in deep pools. I've seen them in riffle water. I've seen them in soft water off the edge of, you know, um, runs. Um, you know, yesterday I saw him about a mile and a half down river from where I normally see him. And then had him literally follow me down river about 300 yards um, through like, I'd say four or five different runs. Um, and it really got me thinking, you know, just made me uh, stop and reflect on, on the trip itself. And, you know, really what I think about trout behavior. Um, yeah, it's such a weird, weird, like two hours on the water, man. I mean, it was just surreal. Um, there was a major like 5k or like half marathon going on and like, Oh no. I mean, and I'm, I'm fishing, I'm fishing this stretch and you know, there's people running past me with in like, you know, pink t-shirts on for like breast cancer awareness. And there's music blasting and this, you know, Palomino trout, which, you know, and I, I get it. It's not a Brown trout. It's not a rainbow. You know, it's, fucking lab grown you know some dexter's lab bullshit um you know but it's still weird seeing this fish acting like a puppy dog in the water (laughs) and the fact that he's lived for at least a year and a half in this river that's fished very heavily um and especially in a you know taking basically catch and keep section um with a lot of spin fishermen that he's survived this long is just incredible um, especially the way that he acts. Um, but we'll get into that. Um, basically what I'm getting at is, you know, like I had some time to sit down and reflect on it. And I think that's important when you may only have an hour and two hours on the weekend or once every other, you know, couple weekends to, to fish, you know, think about it and, uh, really sit down and dissect what you did and why you did it and what was happening. You know, it's important, you know, like, I'll use an example of, you know, it's 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 whatever you want it to be as far as the experience goes. You know, when you go to the river, why are you there? You know, is it because you had a long work week and you want to decompress? Is it because you tied some new flies and you want to try them out? Or you learned some new techniques and you're kind of, you know, trying some different, different water, different techniques? Did you get a new setup? Everybody has their reasons for getting getting to the water, and they probably change uh, from time to time depending on 
the situation you know, in your in your case getting out for a couple hours you know it's a surreal experience there's people out you know just probably the weather was pretty nice and you were able to just kind of kind of just uh recharge a little bit um to where you know when we go and we plan a trip like there's so much excitement because you know we know it ensues you know just tons of bullshit uh just a great time overall you know it's just a little bit different it's not more of like a a, a surreal experience it's just like a brotherhood like just being out there and having a good time yeah I and mean, uh and helping each other out there's you know a, a lot of times uh i mean especially every time that you and i fish together it's um there's a different atmosphere to it you know it's like it, it's it's hard to explain really um the the feeling behind it and i i think uh a lot of fly fishermen um can relate to this where it's almost like going to church um a lot of times um when you're out in the water by yourself and you know it's like a, a self-reflecting period and um it's kind of kind of fucking gay uh <laughs> i mean like you know it is what it is like you know i, I don't want to f- sound soft but like you know sometimes you just need to stop and think and um you know for us like you know that's what fly fishing does for us um it's almost like a religion um you know but then there's times where you know me and you are fishing together and it's like you know it's more like a party you know like you're you're stoked it's like a tailgate you know it's like fuck yeah like this this yeah. is what we're doing you know we're like we're getting you know we're getting the buzz on we're like you know freaking getting after fish and like we're both on our games it's like talking to a beautiful girl you know you're like on your game you know and you're just like rocking and rolling um and then there's other times where you know like this past weekend for me where it was more like um it was get right with Jesus you know like that's that's what it was um you know so um yeah I mean it's it really is surreal you know and I think it ebbs and flows with your it does very much so yeah with your you know your mental state um what you have going on in life you know and I think uh yeah where you're at in life is a big one yeah and I I think it's really like I guarantee you some people just starting out fly fishing that are a little younger versus you know uh you know for instance my dad you know when he goes out is he is he really concerned with what I'm concerned with probably not you know what I mean he's he's more concerned like to keep his stogie burning you know while he's casting and whatnot and I'm over here changing flies and trying to figure out what the fish are doing but you know he's over there counting on me you know because as soon as I figure it out guess what I take a trip over to to, to the old man and you know, tie him up a, a rig, tell him where to cast, and he's he's in business. You know what I mean? So yeah, exactly. Uh, every I just I would just encourage you to find that reason. You know, every time you go to the water, have a you know have a mission, have a goal. Uh, you know, today you know I'm just gonna relax. I'm just gonna go fish a couple pools. Nothing crazy. Just really want to decompress. Or you know, hey, I'm you know just have a reason. Just like you said, uh, believe in it. You know, go out, execute, and just have a good time. Because when you're when you're a weekend warrior you got to make that time count and you know if it's full of disruptions and frustration and it's it's just going to keep feeding the bad you know yeah you know and like for me this weekend it was it was all about getting the phone turned off um, yeah you know just getting out that's the a water big one and, yeah i mean i mean and and the thing is like you've you've seen my evolution you know from an outside standpoint as a as a fly fisherman and the, this this kind of like, you know, mystical mindset that we get into. Um, you've seen this evolution. You've seen me go from, you know, 
someone who is just out there trying to catch fish and I'll do whatever I can to catch fish and, um, you know, go, go from that to, you know, the, the mad scientist trying to figure out like, you know, all these crazy, you know, these crazy things to catch, you know, a lot of fish and then, um, you know, go from that to, well, let me, let me just take a step back and not, you know, I'm just going to throw, I'm going to throw my, you know, my favorite flies and, um, if I catch them, I catch them. If not, like I still got a beer to drink at the end of the day. So, um, you know, life is good. And, you know, you see me, you see me progress. And, um, I think a lot of that comes with, with life too. You know, I mean, when, when you met me, I was, you know, newly married and and a brand new young Lieutenant. And, you know, now here I am, I've got a kid divorced, ex army captain. Like, you know, it's like life, a lot of change, man. Yeah, life changes, and I think you're, the way that you interact with the water and the way that you interact with life in general changes too, you know, and it's, I I really noticed it this past weekend, man. I really did. It, it was, it was kind of wild um, just sitting there. I'm like, yeah, I'm an old man now, you know, I'm like, I'm happy to just like a pinch in my mouth and, you know, it was a little early for drinking beer, so, you know. I didn't, I didn't held, held off for, yeah, I held off until noon. While the least. people were running by you. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, okay, yeah, you guys I mean, want a beer? I know you're, I know you're doing a 5k, <laughs> but you know, hydra- hydration yeah. is key for, uh, for exercise. Yeah. You know, so, um, well, it's all good, man. That's all positive stuff. Uh, which is, which is what we like to do. We like to stay positive because. I think I think there's definitely a point where you try to you start to start overdoing things, you know, and you're trying to. We've talked about this, like not forcing it, uh, kind of take what the river is willing to give you. And some days that's not a lot, and you have to be okay with that, you know. I, I compare it again to bow hunting. Sometimes you hit the tree stand, and you know, deer are just coming out like crazy. And some days, like you, you're lucky to see a squirrel, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it just it just ebbs and flows exactly like you said, and you have to, but you have to go there with the understanding that that that's you know that's the reality is that. Not every day is the same. Each time you go to the water, it's going to be different no matter what. And that's that's why we love it because it's, it's unpredictable. It's wild. Yeah, it's and I, nature. That's, that's my favorite part. Yeah, it's life. It's wild, yeah. you know. Like you're fishing for wild, you know, wild animals, and it's there's nothing better. There's nothing better. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a uh, – um, and you kind of you kind of hit on it. Like you take what the river gives you, um, and I think it's – it's the mindset that we have that I think is is a positive mindset is that the river is going to give you something every time that you hit the water. Um, it just might not be in the form that you think. Right. So, um, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, game on and you're just bringing in fish after fish. And that's what that's what the water is giving you. And then other times, you know, maybe you get skunked and, you know, you, you can walk off the water like head low and you know, be pissed off about it or you can stop and think and be like, Hey man, like, well, why, why didn't this work? What's going on? Like, what, what is it that's different today? You know, like, what was I doing differently? What was I, what was I not doing that maybe needed to happen? Um, and that's kind of what I wanted to get into today on this podcast because it was a very slow day on the water. And that's what kind of led me into, um, making a lot of these observations, 
you know, cause I had a lot of time to think, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think the first thing I wanted to get into was, you know, trout behavior. Um, cause I've, I mean, I, I know, uh, you know, out, out West, like where, where you kind of grew up fishing that, um, you have miles upon miles of good trout water that you fish consistently. I think in your, in your text you sent me, you said like, like something like 270 days out of the year you're fishing, you know, a certain river. Um, and you start to like, you know, become very intimate with the water and with the holding spots and, um, with the way that the, the fish are behaving, um, where the big fish are, are holding, where, you know, you're going to get a shot at a big fish. Um, and in Pennsylvania, especially like, um, Eastern Pennsylvania, um, you don't necessarily have that. You have, um, you might have like 10 miles of a Creek and maybe one or two miles in total is actually fishable, um, just based on, you know, access and, um, water, you know, the water chemistry and, you know, the geological bullshit, whatever, you know, like, I mean, basically you're not going to catch a fish out of like a, a two inch riffle, you know, I mean, that's very, it's very difficult, you know, like the, the trout, trout aren't holding in that very often, you know, um, you got to be on your game to hit that. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting that I was able to see, you know, a fish that I think is a prime target for predators, um, bright orange and stands out like a sore thumb, uh, to humans and animals alike. Um, and to see him, this, this is, let's see, the last time I saw him was in March and before that was in January of 2017 you know so I've seen this fish and I mean to, to watch him literally watch him play in a run to watch him like zip up and down this run and just like be like a little sea otter was just like absolutely insane I'm sitting there and I'm like what the I'm like this is this is like the most like insane thing I've ever seen you know and of course like it's a Palomino trout. Like, yeah, I mean, do you really need to cast to him? Like, is it worth it? You know? Uh, and I've caught him before, you know? So it's not like I can't even say, like, he's he's fucking snubbed me for for years. But it, it was more just that, like, I'm like, I, I just, I have to cast to him just to see, like, what the fuck is he doing? Um, <laughs> and it's kind of wild, like, you know, it, it got me thinking about the water that I was fishing because I, I hit him, um, I, I I hooked up with him um, in a in a fast little, uh, I'd, I'd say like a little eddy off of a um, a really really uh, strong moving run that was about six foot deep, um, and I caught him, hooked into him, um, had a good fight and he popped off, uh, and then I walked about a hundred yards downstream. And uh, saw him again in some soft water that I was just fishing. Like, I, I really honestly wasn't even fishing to him. And uh, he hit my shit again um, on the swing, you know. Um, so, like, I've spent the last 24 hours trying to make sense of that. Um, you know, why does why is this fish following me, <laughs> essentially? Like, I, I don't know what to make of it, you know. It's your spirit animal. 
Yeah, I mean, really, it, it's so weird, you know. Um, and it's funny that you know he took me. He, you know, I, I set the hook on him. Um, he shook me, took me for you know about a twenty-five yard ride um, upriver, and then he came back down. And I'm fighting slack as he comes back down the down the river, and uh, he dives right into some you know an, an, basically an overgrown bush in the side of the river, and uh, spit the hook because I let too much slack in the uh, um, the line, and got my shit fuck completely tangled in this bush. Um, so much like, underwater, and the water was ripping so hard that I couldn't get to it. So I ended up breaking it all off and calling it a day after that. But you know, it's just—it's like he really is my spirit animal. Animal, <laughs> you know, like that's my life. You know, <laughs> like my life at this point is just like, yeah, like hook up and then break it off. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm just kidding. That, no, but, that was good. I like it. Yeah. Uh, so on that topic of. Fishing a stretch of water, uh, obviously no two pieces of water are exactly alike, but when you were mentioning me fishing uh, that stretch of river, so obviously Sean kind of talked about this a little bit in his blog, but we fished the uh, the tailwater of the Arkansas River, and I'm, I'm not joking, we, we put in four to five days a week, every week uh, on the water, and so like you said, you get to learn it very well, you know. When do the hatches come off? What hatches are coming off? You know, what what riffles are holding holding the, the nice fish and blah, blah, blah. And then you just kind of, you kind of have your favorite stretches, if you will. But I've fished every square inch <laughs> of that of that area, like literally. Um, Sean can attest to that. And the thing that is interesting is you think about how many fish per mile are in that river and I'd be lying if I told you the exact number, but I would say, you know, a few thousand per mile is uh is what they advertise for the the fishing game and on several occasions several occasions i or another angler have actually hooked into and you know and netted the same fish and you know you're talking you know for for instance one of the fish that that we've that Sean and I have both caught it's on this corner bend it's a really great spot. It's kind of shallow, kind of gravelly, and then it kind of trickles into this big, nice, slow pool, and it's it's streamer heaven at night, which we fished, and it's very effective. But they like to move up in this little shallow riffle, right, when there's a hatch about to come off or a hatch is coming off, and they feed, and you can see them. They're just big black blobs just sitting on this kind of light-colored gravel, and, you know, you can just sight fish to them. You take your, you know, if you're fishing an indicator, just take your indicator off, and, and you're literally looking for them to cruise over and eat your stuff, and then, you know, you're setting the hook. But this fish has like a black, a black spot kind of along his face, uh, and so we call them like I think we <laughs> Sean called them like Scarface or Blackfish or <laughs> I can't remember the exact name. But <laughs> yeah, we both caught this fish and it's like a twenty inch fish, so it's it's a good rainbow. Um, you know, it's just it's just so odd. But uh, then again, you know, you think about these guys that are streamer fishing, you know, and these big browns are very territorial. And they a lot of times hold in the same water, you know, unless they're pushed out by, you know, another predator or another fish or they were caught and, and something happened and they got sick and then they just, you know, they kind of evolved and kind of fell off. But so that was like, that was just one instance. But then there's another fish, right? So uh, one of the biggest fish actually that I've caught uh, on that river, uh, Walter is what we call him. And he was about 20, 
five and three quarters ish. Um, you know, big old cut bow, super red hook jaw. You know, just the most beautiful fish you've ever seen. And lo and behold, like three weeks, three weeks after uh, I caught this fish, uh, one of the guides at the fly shop that we would go to actually ended up catching the same fish. And, you know, as a, as a fly fisherman, it, it kind of hurts a little bit, you know, because now somebody shares that experience and joy with you, which isn't a bad thing. It's just, it's, it's like mind boggling. You think like, you know, oh, like I finally, I finally caught the fish of a lifetime. And then next thing you know, you know, somebody catches your fish. It just, it kind of takes away from the experience uh, a little bit, you know, looking back. Yeah, but like maybe, maybe she again, was just really easy. Exactly. <laughs> like maybe this fish is just munching on anything that floats by. Literally, like you could put a corn dog on there, and you know he's and he's munching it. Uh, so that's just that's a couple instances. Like I'm saying, like I've seen way more happen, and it's just so weird. Like you would think all, of all the fish, why are we catching the same fish? Is it because that fish is stupid and doesn't learn from his mistakes? Is it because of the area that you're that you're fishing and the technique you're using? Like if I was ripping a eight inch streamer, you know, would that a fish have hit that? I don't know. He's a big fish, but maybe I wouldn't have caught him. Maybe he likes to eat nymphs. Maybe he's a nympho. You know what I mean? Like I just don't really <laughs> you like that. I, I just don't really know, but it, it, it's, you're not alone is what I'm saying. And I've thought about it many times and I know there's other, you know, I, I know there's millions of people that have gone to the river and caught the same fish and it just, <laughs> there's no answer for it. You just, uh, yeah, there's just no answer for it. I see it on Instagram all the time. You know, it's got a, like a brown, it's got a nice blue spot like under his belly or something and, and no shit. They put the side-by-side pics and it's the same fish. Yeah, I mean, I think what, what kind of blew my mind even more was the fact that, you know, for no rhyme or reason, this fish had moved from the relative safety of a catch-and-release only fly fishing section. He doesn't know that. He doesn't know it. He really doesn't. But what I'm getting at is that for the last six months, for however long this fish has been doing it, he's been ripping down into uh, a section of river that's fished very heavily and is a you know catch-and-take fishery, essentially. So it's like you got to imagine that at some point there's so many dudes throwing rooster tails and worms and eggs and power bait out at him because they can fucking see him. I mean, he's he's a, a 20, 22, 23-inch Palomino trout that is just massive. I mean, you've seen the picture of him. I think it's up on the website. Yeah, it know? is. Um, yeah, it's not a slouch of a fish by any means. No, he is big. And, and like, this this river, I mean, there's there's some holes in it that are probably about five, six foot deep, if not more. You know, but for the most part, when the water's down, it's not a very deep creek, river. You know, I wouldn't even call it a river. It's a creek. Um, but the fact that this fish has lived for that long, running down into this section of river, you know, where he is very obviously a target and can be hooked so easily by me, <laughs> a fucking knucklehead out in the water, like, it, it makes you think, like, what is going on in this fish's life? You know, who else has hooked this fish? You know, like what what is this fish seeing on a, a day-to-day basis that makes him think it's okay 
to hit this fly, you know, in this section of river, you know, because like for all he knows, he hits he hits my shit. I reel him in. I net him. Fucking game over, bro. You're done. You know, like if yeah, I was. But then again, like your flies are made to be imitating insects and larva and midget. You know, all the, the all the cycles of of a bug's life. So they don't know it's fake. True. You see what I mean? Like there are fish that probably over time become very selective because they've been caught so many times. So now they now they truthfully know what what to eat and what not to eat. I'm sure they make a mistake here and there because flies are super realistic nowadays. But that's your goal. You are literally mimicking a live insect and you're trying to coerce a wild fish into eating it, right? So you know, does a giant rooster tail getting ripped through the water look like something he would probably eat on a daily basis? No. I don't know how much bait fish, you know, are in the little Lehigh, but probably not a ton. You know, they're probably just the smaller. Uh, is there any naturally, repro- is it a naturally reproducing stream or is it stocked? It, it is. So it's stocked or no, no, no. Well, it's, it's both. It's a combination. Okay. So but there are wild fish breeding and mating you know, and stuff in the river. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, see, so you yeah. get, so you are gonna have some smaller rainbows and some yeah, smaller browns. Yeah, you've got, you've got some that, fry in the water. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, maybe not like you know, sh- like I don't know if you have sculpins and stuff like that with with the type of waterway, but um, you know, anyway, that's probably not natural. A worm is not natural. Now, a fish is. Uh, if I were a fish, I would think of a worm as like a big, huge hamburger. You know. Like a big juicy hamburger. Like yeah. How can you? How can you not want to eat that? But I don't know, man. Fish are smart, you know. Like they they just know when there's danger, you know, or people aren't stealthy, or uh, I mean, you name it, you know, using thick tippet. I mean, those guys bait fishing probably aren't using you know five and a half six x. Yeah. I know that. Yeah, I mean exactly. So, that's that's why this dude is he's broken me off a couple of times now. Well, and he's know? big, man. If he's 23 yeah. inches, like you're not you're good at fly fishing, Justin. You know, like you, you you don't give yourself very much credit, but like you can hook fish. And I just know that if that fish is 23 inches, he didn't get put in there at 23 inches, I don't think. You no, know, he's had no, to survive and evolve, you know, and be very selective of where he's at. Now, him cruising down and 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 then coming back up, like I mean, could he be chasing other fish? Well, Could it just be a territorial thing, or is he actually? He's not going down there to feed. And and that's what that's what got me thinking, you know, because it is it is October, you know, so you do have some browns spawning right now. Um, yeah, it's it's on the early end, but you still, you know, you're starting to see reds here and there, and you got to be real careful about where you're waiting. Um, but that's what got me thinking, is that maybe maybe this trout got pushed out of the upper section because that's where that's where they're spawning i mean obviously that's why it's a fly fishing only section because that's where the spawn is um so maybe he got pushed out by some bigger browns that were you know territorial um like maybe that's why he moved down river um you know you start thinking about these things about why is this fish down here um you know is he is he pushing out other fish you know, is, is he, is he trying to mark his territory and, you know, cause I mean, obviously he's not spawning, uh, they're sterile, you know, um, kind of weird, kind of a weird situation. You know, it got me, it really got me thinking like, what, what is he doing? You know, cause well, I, one of the other, I didn't catch another fish. I didn't even hook another fish the entire day, you know? Oh, wow. So it's like, 
it's like why what what is going on in that river that you know is is causing this fish to behave this way which was you know to me kind of unnatural um you know and maybe it's just because i could see him you know like maybe it's just it's it's like throwing on like a, a bright pink you know squirmy worm and watching your drift and being like why the fuck is my fly all the way over there like i would have never thought about that um i would have never you know thought that i wasn't getting down enough with four bb split shots on the end of my line you know and like you're watching your bright pink squirmy floating through the water and it's only getting down two foot you know when the water is five foot deep you know it was kind of like that like you know a really interesting situation where i can literally watch this bright orange 20 22 23 inch trout behave in the water um so it was yeah just really mind-boggling um what was going on there you know so he was in the catch and release section when you originally hooked him yeah and he and was then he there. popped off and then you went downstream a pretty good amount and he and then he saw him again no that's no, what no, you're no, confused no, about no. right so so oh, when you I, saw him, and then you walked downstream, and then you saw him, and that's where you caught him. Yeah. So, so the first yeah. time, the first time I saw him, him back in in January of two two thousand seventeen. So, a, over yeah, a, a year long and a half ago, ago. Yeah. He was he was up in, um, the catch and release section, right? Um, the first time I caught him back in March of you know this this year, so what like about six months ago, um, he was. He was still up there, maybe like a hundred yards upstream of where I had originally seen him for the first time. Um, now, you know, yesterday I had seen him for the first time in the. It, it was about a mile and a half downstream of the catch and release section was where I saw him for the first time, and then I had a shot at him, hooked him, but dropped him, and then. I saw him again about 15 minutes later, about another hundred yards downstream from like I had, I had walked downstream and I was just fishing and there he just popped up out of nowhere again. You know, do you, do you know, do you know 100% for sure that there isn't more in the, in the river? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, when I hooked him, cause that, that was my first thought. I was like, Oh, maybe there's another Palomino in here. Right. When I hooked him, I saw his flank. And I saw that red stripe and his profile, and I knew it was the same fish. You know, um, he kind of has like a kiped jaw that's a little bit, um, I think, I, I mean, honestly, I think because of the, the fish really bangs himself around in the water. That's just the way that he behaves. Um, and I, I know I'm like, you know, making this fish that has like a pee for a brain, you know, making him out to have a personality but he really does bang himself around in the water um he has like a, a constant sore on the bottom of his jaw from just like nuzzling everything um and he's had it since day one since the first time i saw him um and he still has it and i knew when i hooked him again and i saw that flank and i saw that jaw that it was the same fish um, and I, I don't think, I don't think Pennsylvania, cause like I, back in the day, Pennsylvania used to, they used to drop, I think they had like a hundred 
they had like a hundred palomino trout that they would throw into it was basically like one one trout in like a section of creek um all across the state and if you caught one you would obviously keep it and you'd be able to like you enter into a raffle for like a prize or some shit you know um so it's pretty rare to catch them but they stopped doing it years ago they haven't stocked palomino trout for years so i know they're not like doing it you know they're not actively stocking these fish um and this fish i mean he's massive i mean he's a huge fish and they throw him in they're like maybe on the on the high range maybe 16 inches you know if that um so i know he's been in there a while and i i know he's the only one just by the way that he can plays in the water like an asshole you know yeah i mean that's all valid i mean that's that's all that all adds up you know so that's i'm not saying it's not plausible but as far as the behavior goes i know a lot of times you know, if you hook a fish and and he pops off, like obviously that's that's a warning, right? Like that's that's a warning to them that something obviously is not right, and they'll they'll move uh, temporarily to another location wherever they deem, you know, wherever they see fit. Really, uh, again, I I don't know that you'd seen that behavior in the past, but I've seen it where you you know you'll hook a fish and he's you know he pops smoke, he's gone, he just tails off, um, and it disrupts the other fish obviously that we're holding in that specific area as well. Now, one thing I'm curious about, like correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I could have swore like you've had, you've had like some killer days, um, and not just stockies on that river. Like, uh, you know, like days where you're catching a good number of quality fish, you know, that aren't that, you know, like just, <laughs> just thrown in there. Yeah. No, uh, you I, know, the I day have. before I just um, seems like it's, it's gone like I don't know if it's time of year or if it's just getting hammered or like or what's going on, but it just seems like it's like so slow. It it really is. Um and I mean granted, like, you know, I've been fishing I've been fishing a little Lehigh off and on for yeah, about eight, nine years now. Um and this will be my first year coming up like in the in the early spring will be my first year, like f- full year of fishing it. Um, and just from, you know, my observations so far this year, it seems like it's one of those creeks that is very, um, it's hot in the spring into early summer. Um, even in the winter, I mean, I've done, I've done pretty well in the winter, um, just on like bullshit flies. I mean, not even like really truly giving a shit about the, uh, the hatches and, you know, water flows and temperatures and shit. Um, you know, so I think it's telling that I can do better on this river, you know, in February when it's 10 degrees outside and there's not a single hatch going on. I've got a Frenchie on, you know, and I'm catching more fish than I am October 6th when it's 65 degrees and there's a light mist coming off. You know, and the, the, it's cloudy, and there should be a bluing olive hatch, but there's not. Um, kind of weird, you know. Um, it's been really slow. Yeah, and I, I've had really good days in the summer too. Um, and there were, there was a good, I'd say, two months where 
I was pretty much guaranteed at least 10, 15 fish. Uh, and I'm talking like wild browns and rainbows. Um, really good, beautiful fish. Um, and I was hooking into at least one 18 to 20 inch wild fish, you know, like talking like trophy fish for that creek. Um, you know, every time I was going out, you know, now whether I landed them or not, that was a whole other, you know, whole other story, obviously. Um, but I mean, what I'm getting at is I, I know that they're there and I've had success on that water. Um, I know where the big fish are and I know that there's big wild browns in there that'll just like rip your, rip your shit to shreds, you know? Um, yeah. So kind of weird. I don't know what's going on. Um, I've talked to some guys on the water that were kind of, you know, running the same thing I was, um, where they were like, yeah, it's pretty slow, man. Like, you know, it was real good, like in the summer leading up to the early fall and it's just kind of dropped off. Um, so I don't know if that's the, if it's just the way that these Browns behave. Um, you know, admittedly I haven't thrown any egg patterns. Um, so I don't know if like the, the stocked rainbows or the stocked brownies or, you know, the fish that aren't spawning right now are hitting, maybe they're hitting eggs right now. Um, maybe they're hitting, they're still hitting terrestrials or worms with all the rain we've been getting. Um, maybe their biological clocks are just fucking thrown off from, you know, the weird weather we have, um, the high amounts of rainfall and the, the high temps, you know, um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the, uh, what the answer is, but that's part of the, uh, the mystique about it. Right. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. It's very odd. Um, very odd. Like going back to the river that I, you know, I have the most time on per se that I knew the most about. You definitely have days that were just dead. It's just weird. Like you'd go out on a Thursday after class for the afternoon and in an afternoon, Maybe I'm talking like one to six. So, you know, good a good amount of time. I'd catch forty I'd catch forty fish. Nonstop. Like eighteen eighteen plus inch fish. Just crushing it. And then I go back on Friday morning and I fish. And I pick up a couple of fish in the first four or five hours. You know, good spots. Good flies. I know what they're. I know what they're eating, um, but it's slow. And then the afternoon, just like nothing, just dead, like it, like a ghost town, um, you know. And then you'll fish it again on Saturday, and you know it's picking up a little bit. Maybe that'll be like a ten fish day, ten to twelve fish day. So pretty good, you know. All things considered, for for a weekend warrior, I wasn't a weekend warrior at that point. I was like borderline, you know, paid <laughs> paid guide slash you know, whatever you want to want to call me, but, um, I wasn't guiding cause I wasn't good enough, but <laughs> y- you know what I'm saying? As far as my time, you yeah. know, amount of, amount of time days on the that water. I was water. Yeah. Um, but it was weird, man. Like you would think like, what, what's the deal? And like, of course in the spring, it was really good. You know, beta started coming off. Like that's my, that's my favorite time of fish, uh, favorite time of the year to fish, you know, the rainbows getting ready for the spawn. And, uh, you got the betas, you know, terrestrials are just right around the corner weather's warming up everything's greening up you know the birds are coming out everything's just coming back to life and that's like that was like my favorite time to fish not that 
there isn't plenty of fish to be had in other times, but it was very, it wasn't as mysterious as like what you're experiencing because like, even for me, I don't, I haven't even fished that river and it's, it's really weird to me mm-hmm. thinking about it. Cause like every time I text you, I'm expecting you to be like, Oh dude, I crushed it today. Like I caught 20 fish. I caught, you know, I caught a couple of nice, really big Browns. And usually it's like, yeah, I, I didn't really have any luck. Like, wait, what? You know, like it just, it catches me off guard, but something something like you said's got to be going on like i don't know if you've branched out a whole lot on your fly selection um you're just going with like your go-to flies because i i did experience what you're talking about you know i had to sometimes throw on an egg pattern a san juan worm um you know i like the blood midge or the blood worm a lot that's a good fly uh because it's small like a midge but it's still you know uh imitating you know a uh a worm essentially and they would crush that on that river. You know, I just fished like a size 18 or a size 16 on like a kind of a slender snail hook. And I would like tie it with, you know, like the uh, the stretchy uh, micro tubing and then put a little flash underneath that. And it's, it's a very slim profile. I mean, I told you the story about Sean catching that rainbow on literally just a red Daiki, Daiki yeah. hook. Like what the f- Yep. Like he's like, oh, I'm just gonna cast this out there. Like it's it's basically as thin as a worm when you pick them up off the rock. Like they're tiny. You don't need a whole lot of bulk on those flies. And <laughs> no shit, dude. The f- fish opens his mouth and then munches it down, and you sets the hook and game on. So it could be that you just need to alter your technique. Maybe they're holding in different spots now because of the spawn, right? So the browns have moved. Obviously, you're not gonna go like fish to reds, but like it changes their it changes their pattern and their behavior. So I just don't know, man. It's just puzzling to me. Like, it's puzzling because, like, you're a really good fly fisherman. Uh, not that the – I mean, the other guys are obviously experiencing similar, uh, you know, results on the water. It's just frustrating for me, man, because <laughs> I – like, I, I just – like, I, I'm trying to wrap my head around it, you know? Well, and, and that's that's what I mean. Like, that's what I'm getting at with this whole thing is that, like, you know, I can, I can hook into this big, super heavily pressured fish you know, that is just seeing hundreds of flies and, you know, rooster tails and power bait and eggs. And, you know, he's seeing that shit every day. And a couple hook, stripper midges. Yeah. I mean, he's got the stripper midge, like, in, like, all kinds he of He loves bullshit. the stripper midge, especially stripper if it's midge. uh if it's late night, late night uh, fly fishing after dark hours. Yeah, it's like my X-rated midge Yeah, your X, yeah, yeah, call it the X-rated fly, yeah. the stripper midge I'm all boys. about it, bro. Well, it's just an X-rated box. So like on the box, you have a label maker at your house, and he, and it says X rated. <laughs> the X is like size seventy two Calibri, and then, <laughs> and Calibri. then, and then box is in Times New Roman, and it's only like size twelve. So like there's a lot of emphasis on you know that, the X that yeah that, <laughs> and as soon as the sun goes down, boys, yeah, that's the box. It, Anything you pull from that box is if there's a dirty fish out there. You're catching them. Yeah, it's just it's just a stripper forget, midge forget and sex dungeon. Forget dungeons. about it. There it is. Yeah, yep. stripper midge and sex dungeons That's all it. night. That's all there is. Maybe a little, Sorry. maybe a little French whore thrown in there. Oh my! Yeah, you know? you That's never what know. I, that's why I've started calling my Frenchie with the soft tackle a little French whore. Okay, is that your creation or is that? Well, I mean, no. That's just what you call. That's it. That's just what yeah. I call it. Okay. Because it, it's well. it, it's gotta it's gotta have an X rated name for my X rated box. That's true. You know, I can't, yeah, be, can't like, be like, oh, like this, this is my, this is my Iron Lotus. No, fuck that. <laughs> no, 
<laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm nah. with you. I'm with you. So, okay. Well, I th- this is this yeah, is my. <laughs> oh, yeah, never mind. I'm not even gonna say it. Yeah, don't don't yeah, say no. it. Not on this podcast, but yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. I mean, it's interesting that this fish, like you know, I mean, granted, I I don't know what's going on with that river. I I, I really just don't. Um, sometimes you just got to throw your hands up and be like, fuck. I need to think about this and it takes some time and think about it. Cause I really don't know what to do. Um, but then every once in a while you get a wrench thrown in there. Like, like I did yesterday where it's like, well, if I can fool this fish into taking a free, I, I think I had, I had a, a size 16 iron Lotus on as well as, of course think, you did. Yeah. It was like a size 18. Um, uh, what the hell is it? Oh, it's basically just like a little beta submerger. Um, I had I had one of those on. It's not the FOD, um, but it it's it's similar to it. Um, so you know I'm I'm fishing mayflies. Um, I tried a little bit of caddis, uh, and that just wasn't you know wasn't working for me. Um, but if he can hit those, you know why is I'm I'm fishing a mile and a half stretch and I'm fishing it hard. You know I'm really really making sure I'm getting down and I'm in contact with the bottom and I'm fishing multiple columns in the water column. Um, why, why did it work then? And it wasn't working before, you know, was it, are the flows stable year round? Yeah. So, well, I mean the flows were a little bit high. Um, like I, I had to up my weight a little bit to get down, you know, and obviously that's, that's the first thing that, you know, a lot of us should be doing um, is adjusting our, our split shot and our weight to make sure we're getting down um, to where the fish are feeding. Um, and that's why we run multiple, you know, fly rigs um, so that we can fish different sections of the water column uh, at the same time and kind of zero in on what, you know, what's working. Um, but it, it really made me think, like, what what caused this fish in this particular section of water to hit it um to hit an iron lotus you know was it was it the fact that i bumped him on the nose like was that what it was was it you know was that all it took is that it just it hit him right in the nose and he just happened to open his mouth and i set the hook you know was it the profile of my fly you know um was it a size 16 just like a little black blob in the water that the fish were looking for um, I have, I run a, a bright red collar on all of my iron Lotus patterns, you know, was it the bright red collar, you know? And if that was the case, maybe, um, a blood midge would work. Anything with red in it would have worked. Maybe like a, a, a rainbow warrior that, you know, was toned down a little bit with a little red hot spot. Maybe that would have worked. Um, these are all the things that are going through my head, you know, See, after, I've I think it's, the water. it's too much. Yeah. That's that's too much going on. Um, well, and that's what I mean. Like, there's not, I'm not thinking about that on the water. Like, to oh, me, okay. it's well, like. Well, I'm saying, like, you're thinking too hard about it, I think. Like, I, I don't think it's any of those things, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I think it's just, it's something to do with the behavior of the fish. It's something, it's something with the ecological aspect of the water and, and the food sources. I don't think it's, I don't think it's you at all. I really don't. Because. If you drift a fly correctly at the correct level 
and it looks, you know, it looks like something similar to what's in there. You they're going to eat strike, the fly, right? Yeah, yeah, they're going to eat the fly. Yeah. So it's not, it's not that. I mean, that's. I, I don't want to make that sound like rudimentary, but it's like that everyone, you know, like that's just like the basics, yeah. you know, like color, size, right water, you know, right area in the water column. Like you're going to get strikes. I mean, you may not get a strike in this particular hole, but if you move down, like you're, you're going to be successful. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's just a fact of the matter. But like, have you leveraged the fly shop at all? Like the local fly shop? I mean, those dudes down there have probably been fishing there for what, like 20, 30 years. Oh yeah. Have you I talked mean, to, every, have you talked to your, uh, what is it? Your cousins? Yeah, so I mean, they, I they, mean, they haven't been fishing too hard, uh, mostly because yeah, but it's they like, know the water pretty season. well. Uh, they don't, they don't fish the Little Lehigh very often. It's more, um, it's more like the West Branch of Delaware. Um, oh, okay, they yeah, don't live I mean, by you then. Yeah, but I mean, you know, for everyone I talk to, like at the at the fly shop, and you know, you're looking at very, very small flies um, on the Little Lehigh. And the reason, the whole reason I focused on Little Lehigh this year was because one of the things, and, and we've discussed this many times, um, one of the things I wanted to do was become very intimate with my home waters. You know, I really wanted to get to know this this river, this creek very well. Um, and a lot of times, I mean, that includes shitty days on the water. Um yeah, I have an indicator in my hand. That's my my little stress ball. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's you're you're talking like size twenty two owl, owls rats, you know, like that's that's been a staple in my box, and you know, I've I fished that. I fished. Have you gone smaller? I, have I you haven't gone, gone smaller than that. You haven't gone to like a twenty four or twenty six. No. I know that sounds crazy, but I'm not joking. Like. One size can make a huge difference. Oh because yeah! If you're fishing something too big, like and Forget it doesn't look it. natural, yeah. they're they're not going to eat it most times. Like you'll get the one, the onesies, twosies, right? That's just like, and they'll eat it. Like there's dumb fish out there. Let's be honest, just like people. But the general majority, like the average fish, if if there's twice size twenty sixes floating down, a lot of times they won't eat a twenty four. But if there's you know, but if there's um, 16s floating down the river and you're fishing an 18, they'll still eat the 18. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a, it's just a good rule of thumb to always fish smaller than what you think they're eating. And like, I, I've never, I don't, I don't carry 26s and 24s in my box, nor will I tie them because I think it's ridiculous. But there are places in Colorado because they are so popular and they get fished so often that you have to go that small. Like you're talking trichos that are like, I mean, a du- some dudes fish like 28s or 30s. How the fuck do you even see that? Well, that's, it's funny you bring up trichos because that's yeah. the famous hatch on the little Lehigh. And I mean, are you, fi- are you fishing that? Like I, are you fishing no, the nymph I'm version? Not, I'm not fishing size 26 little blocks. Not the nymph version, but you know what I mean? Like a spent, spent yeah, trico. Well, I mean, I, I have them in my box, yes. Yeah. Um, I have them in size 22 and 24. Um, okay. what I, what I do fish is I, I fish an owl's rat in a size 20 and 22, um, in black, gray, and red. Um, and it's, you know, it's funny that you brought it up because I, I did stoop so low as to start 
flipping over rocks because I was I was really no, dude, no. Seriously, you yeah. make that you make that sound. That's like that's like a bad thing. No, like, I you know, should be I know. doing that. You should be using a bug a bug scene yeah. in the water. I don't care if it's your home water or not. Like, <laughs> the, you should be doing it. Everyone should be doing it. Yeah, you know, I mean, like you get to the water, you, you kick up some rocks. Like, I mean, dude, you're, you're getting you're literally getting the answers to the test. Mm-hmm. Like you have so many flies in your box, Justin, that like <laughs> no matter what's on that bug scene, like you're going to be able to match it. Yeah. That's, that's the fact right there. And so for you not to be flipping over rocks and scening, you know, it is called a bug scene, right? Yeah, it I'm is. not crazy. Okay. Yep. It's been, been a minute. The little, speaking of which, so we use the little like, um, we, yeah, the paint sifter. Yeah. The paint sifter. The, you, yeah. Paint sifter. So you, you just go to Home Depot. Get, get one of those. Yeah, if you haven't, yeah, that's a good tip for the listeners. Yeah. So, um, I actually think, who did I who did I get it from? I saw it on like I think I want to say Gink and Gasoline had it. Some yeah, somebody it's was Gink like and Gasoline. Yeah, so uh, basically you go to you go to Home Depot, you buy like the it's two dollars and fifty cents I think and for like a three two pack or three of them. Yeah, yeah, depending on you know if you're what region you're in, and <laughs> you literally just slide this thing over your net. And that becomes your bug scene. And you just flip over some rocks upstream, put your net downstream, you know, it goes through your net. And then you pull it up, take a look, and then you just run, you know, take it off, run it through the water, throw it back in your bag, and, and you know, attach your net back, and you're in business. Like, it's the simplest thing ever. You don't need a separate little whisking thing or anything like that. No bullshit. It's cheap, and it works. It works. Yeah. That's the important part. And, uh, dude, you can't be prideful on the river. You know, that's one thing you can't do because like I said, every day is different. And if there's a magical switch, you know, from summer to fall and their feeding patterns change, you'll never know. You'll be, you'll be out there. Yeah. Like me. Like fishless, dude. Around, yeah. Like fishless, yeah. eight weekends in a row. Like what the fuck? I was fishing and I was rat and they were just crushing this thing. And I, you know, I just don't know what's going on. It's like, dude, get your scene out there and see what's coming down. Cause if it's, if they're super, super tiny, then you know what you need to do. Yeah. You know, cause it's not really any fun fishing 24s and 26s, but if that's what they're eating. Yeah, exactly. I'd be I mean, doing it, and that's that's really a you know what what we always preach is to be adaptive on the water. Um, yeah, you have to, to be adaptive on the the fly tying bench. You know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean it's it's a good point, but um, in my defense, I did you know start kicking over rocks and I did get my sign out, and um, I mean there were a lot of midges, <clears throat> but they were all you know either bigger or the same size as, you know, the, uh, the owls rats that I did have tied. Now, what that tells me is I probably need, need to go smaller. Um, I need to go smaller on my hook size because I'm, I'm guessing I fuck that. I know that you should always go smaller than what you think, uh, because it's always smaller, you know, once they're in the water they're always, that's how she feels too. I think. Yeah, yeah, story of my life. Yeah. <laughs> it's always smaller than it looks. You know, like I'm looking down at it, yeah, it's you know, it's a good size and then you know, you know, get it in the water and it's like, oh yeah, okay, it's a little smaller than I thought it was. Yeah, we're talking about your fly rod, right? My nymph selection, actually. Yeah, your nymph selection, yeah. okay. Yeah, fly rod and nymphs. It's all it's all tough, you know, you see it online and then you see it in person. It's not the same. <laughs> It's like, God, they're always better looking in person. It's a, a tiny little fly. <laughs> effective though, <laughs> super effective. effective. Just very tiny. Um, it's all in the presentation. 
That's right. Yeah, that's how you use it. Yep. So if you're if you're drifting it good, then you know the results may good results may ensue. Yeah. If they stick around, um, they keep hitting it. You know. <laughs> Obviously, it's yeah, working, might. right? <laughs> All right. Well, that <laughs> you know was that was good. Right. Fuck that, you. No, it was really good. That was like we had that going the there that for was, a minute. That was a good little stretch there of some like fishing slash X-rated tieback to your X-rated box. Yeah, this stripper is, midge. This is top notch. Top notch. We're top uh, notch banter. We're top notch professionals here at Bourbon and Browns. I don't know <laughs> if you guys noticed. So Justin and I are obviously very professional, but in our leisurely time, we like to have fun. Of course. I think I think a lot of people can appreciate that. So some a little a little bit of dull humor. Yeah, if you're like ten listening to this, probably yeah. Yeah, if you're ten, Maybe. that's probably probably not good. Yeah. Um I hope they're not 10 and that's, that's sort of a sad thing. Cause like we, you know, we, we use choice words a lot and we should probably get better about that just so that it can open a little bit more doors for people that, you know, can listen to this, whether it's, you know, an older crowd or, or a very young crowd. Cause I, I think we have good stuff to say, but I think sometimes people will probably take offense. I mean, I'm sure. Which is just, I mean, I'm that's sure. just the nature of, uh, of who we are. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a it, culture. It not not to say that, we, while, you know. yeah. I mean, I think we've done very well on this episode, in, in particular, except for the, except for the, uh, you know, the, the X-rated stuff. The I think innuendos, we've been doing pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure the word I was looking for, but you got me. <laughs> not now. I not mean, now, chief. Yeah, I, I, I definitely need to, um, to work on. Yeah, the cursing. I th- I think it's it's kind of interesting, right? So it's kind of like I have I have these two different personalities now. Um, you know, when I'm with my daughter, it's a completely different personality and like vocabulary than it is with you know you or like you know the boys like hanging out at the bar or like you know out in the water, and then that's completely different from my vocabulary in a professional setting at work, you know? Um, and it's kind of like, it all kind of gets tied back into dad jokes, right? So like, you know, I'll tell my, I'll tell my daughter like, you know, oh, Clara, like, you know, where do you, where do horses live? You know? And she'd be like, I don't know, daddy, where? And I'm like, in a neighborhood, you know? And I think it's, <laughs> it's hilarious. You know, I think it's so funny. And she like, you know, she's two and a half. She rolls her eyes. Like, she thinks it's stupid already, which is, like, you know, hurtful to me that, you know, my little daughter is, like, ripping on me already. But, you know, that that's my sense of humor with her. And now with the boys, you know, with you, you know, maybe not even on the podcast, it's going to be a little bit, you know, more adult-oriented. It's going to be a little bit more, you know, raunchy. Um, you know, and there's the podcast itself where, like, you know, I, I think I kind of have a good um grasp on what I can can't get away with you know on the podcast um you know and it's completely different from what I can and can't get away with at work as well you know um, yeah so it's kind of interesting you know it's it's like don't don't judge me based off of the podcast you know it's like oh no I've got, I mean I'm like I'm like Shrek you know I have layers like an onion yeah for you know <laughs> Jesus I got layers no that's uh that's a good way to put it, because I, I know a lot of people that are really professional at work and stuff, and it's just funny because they're like, "Oh, you know, if you if you knew me at home, you know, you 
I mean, not that, not that they're cutting themselves down, but you're different. You're for sure different when you're at home drinking beers or whether you're at the workplace or, you know, whether you're at church. Like, you're just going to, you're going to act differently. You are. It's just the, na- the nature of the beast. But we keep it, we keep it 100 and we keep it real on the, po- <laughs> the podcast, real. Bourbon and Browns. Because, again, like, this is not meant to be some, like, oh, we're experts. This isn't supposed to be. Some like, oh, all we do is drink, you know, like we're weekend warriors, man. We're just like everybody else, you know, like the average dude. We get to fish. We love to fish. We have some experience in it. We like to share our experiences uh, and our stories. And of course, you know, you get your side of bullshit every episode. That's just the of nature course. of Bourbon and Browns because uh, it's fantastic. But no, I mean, that's just that's just it, man. But we've been at it for, we've been at this actually for about an hour and four minutes now. Doing yeah, pretty I know, good. man. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, and we've been talking fishing it. like pretty much the whole time. Yeah. It's a nice change of pace. I, I didn't want to bore you guys, honestly. Like we talked about this um, before we got on, but we didn't want to bore you guys with like, with our personal lives. I mean, I know some of it's pretty interesting, but <laughs> a lot of it, uh, a lot of it does not apply to probably anything you care about, but we're both doing well. I would say, uh, you know, generally, nothing crazy happening, no life-changing uh, events. Yeah, life goes on, man. Yeah, I mean, we uh, we it ebbs and flows, right? Just like the river. Yep. There's Be ups one and downs. with the river. Yep. Yeah. But uh, we have probably like at least ten more minutes left uh, for our typical timeline. Do you want to maybe just touch real quick on your trip prep for was it next weekend? I believe. Yes. Yeah, so it's it's actually. Yeah. Um, Wednesday night. Uh, oh, Wednesday night. Yes, you're leaving here in a few days. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's getting down to the wire. Um, so uh, it's the first annual um, Justin trip up to Pulaski, New York, the Salmon River. Um, I shouldn't say just me. Um, generally first speaking, annual yeah, Justin gen- trip. Yeah, generally speaking, I'm I'm a little uh, um, I'm a little averse to taking a a longer trip by myself um just because a lot of times i'm not not sure what to expect um you know like i mean me and bryce we fished a lot of rivers and and creeks and stuff in north carolina south carolina tennessee um so we're a little bit you know like the the rivers i'm more comfortable with i'll i'll go and spend two three days by myself and fish it you know um if the opportunity arises but a brand new river um, for a brand new species, I'm a little averse to doing. So I was lucky enough to, uh, to meet up with, you know, a bunch of dudes. Um, there's about five of us going, including myself, um, a couple guys that have already been up there, um, and kind of have, uh, have some spots. They've done some recon. Um, they know what to expect a little bit. Um, and that's really my, my first tip is to, uh, you know, hit up anybody you can. Um, you know, I obviously leaned heavily on, the guys that I'm going with, um, just like I lean heavily on Bryce when we have trips together. Um, so I lean heavily on them, you know, fly selection, water type, um, split shot, you know, what am I looking at? Am I looking at, you know, two, three foot, um, moving at, you know, maybe two, 300 CFS. Um, all right, right on. I, I need BB split shot. Like I'm good to go. Um, or is it, you know, five, six foot deep runs, into eight, nine foot pools, um, ripping at, you know, 600 CFS, um, where I'm going to need, you know, maybe a B split shot, um, 
I'm going to need sync tip leaders. Um, I'm going to need, you know, big, massive indicators, um, tons of weight. Um, like, what am I looking at? So that was my first step, narrowing that down, um, narrowing down my gear, uh, narrowing down, you know, all of the, the technical things. Um, you know, do I need a 1x leader? Do I need a 2x leader? Are we, you know, looking to throw streamers or are we looking to, to nymph? Um, so I went out and I, I got all the materials I needed for that. Um, I hit up fly shops um, with fly selections. Um, yeah, I mean, that was essentially it. Um, I got on Google Maps um, looking at, you know, what I could. Um, Google Earth is great to, uh, um, you know, not necessarily plan out where I want to fish, but just get a better understanding of what I'm going to expect on the water. Um, you know, sometimes you can see like, you know, some shallower parts, you can definitely see riffles and runs. Um, so that was a big part of my prep, um, since I've never been up there. Um, a lot of online research. Now I'm, you know, firmly into, um, I'd say I'm about 75% into my fly tying as well as my packing. So what I've done so far is I've got, I've got about, I'd say four or five dozen egg flies tied up. Um, I know, I, I know I see you shaking your head to be fair. I've got about 20, 25 of those. So about two, three dozen of those are what we discussed. They're little trout beads. All right. And they're pre-staged on the hook. So that all I need to do is tie it on, slide the bead up the hook eye onto the line, put my little piece of PVC tubing in there and bend the hook and I'll be good to go. All right. So I wouldn't call it a, a tie so much as just a pre-stage. Um, so I've got that. Um, I also have uh, some nymphs. Um, I have some evil olives, uh, some midges, um, for some browns that are spawning. Um, I didn't tie squirmies this time because you gave me shit about it. <laughs> so I didn't tie those. Um, praise the fishing gods, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, praise, I'm gonna, praise the fishing gods. I'm forgoing the squirmies. Hey, Justin, I just want to let you know that you're growing up, brother. <laughs> you are, you <laughs> You want to know what I replaced them with? No. Yeah, you do. I don't want. No, I don't want to yeah, ruin yeah, this. I'm I feeling re- good right now. All right. Um. Anyway, so uh, we'll we'll touch on the mop fly next episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, yeah. But yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I pretty got. I pretty much got my my fly selection. Um. So now that I've hit, you know, all of the essentially the the fishing portion of the trip now i'm focusing mostly on um my my pccs pcis on my gear right so i'm making sure i've got extra leaders i'm making sure i got extra um you know i have my fly rod my fly line um good to go i've got you know backups of everything um i've got my my bag set up with my tent you know jet boil coffee um, I've got gear, so, you know, it's, it's going to be a little bit colder up there. It's going to be like mid sixties during the day. 
there's going to be some rain. So I've got my rain jacket. I've got, you know, beanies for overnight since we're camping. You know, we're going to be in a tent. Um, I've, you know, basically performed maintenance on my tent, made sure my rain fly is good to go. Um, yeah, I'm getting real, real, real no, dude, this is this, this is awesome. This is awesome because, like, by doing this, you're alleviating so much headache on the back end, you know, when you're out there and you're like, oh, my God, I didn't know there was a hole in this, you know, like. Yeah, I mean, you're do- and I think yeah, you're that's, doing exactly what's right. That's one of the that's one of the best things about the trips that we take is that between the two of us, we very rarely have issues like this. You know, we we run into you know stupid like dude bullshit where you know we're like trying to be too hard for for water and we bring you know beers instead. Um, but we very rarely have issues with you know our gear or. Um, you know, like the, the actual camping shit, food, you know, water, um, availability, things like that. We very rarely have any issues with because I think we, we've had the, you know, the, the pre, you know, I'll use the term pre combat checks and inspections. We've had that beaten into us. Um, Yeah, we have. And it's just something that we do automatically. I just like being prepared. Yeah, you know? like, exactly. There's nothing worse than showing up to something like unprepared. It's just it just sets. I think it sets the tone for the trip. You know, like you show up, you're confident, you got all the gear you need, you're warm, you're dry, you're sleeping good. You know, you got all the stuff to eat. You're you're full. Like all that matters. You know, you're hydrated. Because if you're if you're lacking in a certain area, like you're just gonna be ass. You know, the whole you're just gonna be ass the whole trip. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how many so, times? I, I can't tell you how many times, like when I was a young, young fisherman, um, that you're like zipping back and forth to the truck and you're opening, opening doors multiple times, looking for shit. And yeah, it just throws you off, you know, and it's, it's a whole other level. To, Are you talking about me? Yeah. I'm talking about you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm talking about me. Are you? Because I'm pretty sure we were both searching for shit. No, 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 no. I'm, like the first time we went to the Holston, dude, we had all that stuff crammed in my truck. No, 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 no. See, I'm, that I'm was talking miserable. about. I'm talking about myself. Like it was even worse than that. Oh yeah. When I was no, like, I, you know. Yeah, when you're not organized yeah. and you don't know where anything you're, you're is. You're not yeah. organized. Your your pack isn't set up. Your kit isn't set up. Like you yeah, don't have experience with your with using your kit where everything is. Um, you know, and it's just. I mean, really really focus on it because it it's a whole different experience to be able to like hop out of your truck after driving for eight hours to get to a brand new piece of water and to be rigged up and have everything you fucking need in the first, you know, five minutes after you step out of the truck than it is to spend an hour dicking around and opening up doors and, you know, not being able to find shit and, you know, having to like Jerry rig stuff because, you know, you can't find your leaders and, you know, your indicators messed up. So you got to like retie it and all this crazy bullshit. Um, you know, and I mean, even, even Bryce, you know, who's a fucking knucklehead, um, excuse my language. Uh, you know, Bryce has, he had to, he had to tie a brand new leader the very first morning that we're on this prime stretch of water and we've looked forward to this trip for like six months and he's got to spend 15 minutes tying this new leader. But what I'm getting at is it only took him 15 minutes, you know, because he had, he had everything he needed (laughs) right in front of him. 
and he's sitting in the front seat because obviously it's cold <laughs> as shit. <laughs> he's sitting in the front seat and he's got like his window cracked because he still wanted to bullshit with me. And I'm rigged <laughs> up and ready to go and I'm waiting for him. But, you know, it, it's he's able to do that because he's organized and he knows where all of his things are and he's able to knock it out. You know, like if it was anybody other than Bryce, I I seriously doubt, including if it was myself, including I seriously doubt that he would have been able to knock out a brand new rig, one that he's never really tied before. I had never tied it. He, that was the first never time. never even used it before. And he did it all from memory based off of what, you know, a YouTube video told him to do. And he did it in 15 minutes in shitty conditions in the front seat of a truck. With his rod essentially rigged already. Yeah, because I just stuffed the rod, right, from yeah. the back of my truck. So the reel was, like, in the back cargo area. And then the tip, obviously, was, like, up towards me. And I had yeah. the heater blasting. I had my pack up there. My nippers, all my line, right? I got the I got the uh, spools from you, Ashley, because that was the first time I'd ever tied it. So I got the, uh, the Maxima Chameleon and the... Amnesia. Um, yeah, the Cider. Amnesia. And I, uh, and I whipped that leader up. But... Yeah, I mean, it took longer than I probably should have. I should have, I should have done my homework right and and did it. But I think we had agreed upon me not buying the stuff since you had like a couple extra. Yeah, schools. I had, I had so a I wasn't, ton of it. Yeah, yeah. Now I have my own stuff. You know, it's already tied, so like that would never happen again. But yeah, I mean, you you make a valid point. Like I, I was taken, I was tired of shit. It was early. Like I think we we're <laughs> that was yeah, that was day one. That was our yeah. first. That was our first day. Um, I, I really didn't sleep well. It was, it was cold. It really was. Like it was cold. It, it was like like my fingers were hurting. Yeah, I couldn't tie my knots. Like what I'm what I'm getting at Army. is I'm not I'm not trying to I'm not trying to rip on you. I'm not trying to you know. No, I know. I that. know. What I'm saying is you know that these things happen, but you alleviate so much of it by just being organized and prepared. And and the thing is, yeah. you know what what could have possibly been an hour long ordeal took you ten fifteen minutes in totally adverse conditions you know doing something like in a in a confined space you know with something that you've never done before i mean you were only able to do that because you were you were prepared to be unprepared essentially yeah you know you were prepared for the you know the the weird yeah i knew it was coming you know know? like i was like well i'm gonna have to make my leader like i was gonna be like hey justin you tie me up a leader which actually probably would have made sense just given that we wanted to get on the water yeah you could have just whipped one up real quick, but I wanted to learn, right? Because if you're way up river and something happens to my leader, what am I supposed to do? You know, I gotta be able to fix it. Yeah, you gotta understand. So you gotta yeah. understand it's it's breakdown essentially. You know, I but, mean, you know, like the trial and tribulations of looking up a new knot on YouTube and trying yep. it over and over, and you just can't get it right, and then finally, like, you realize you were like tucking one end under one and not in the other, and you're like, oh, and you get it, and it's tight, and it looks good, and you, yeah, and now you, you've and got you, it. Dude, it's there's a lot of satisfaction in that, and then you know you keep practicing it, and you get out in the water, and you're ready to go. Like just before we go, like just a, just an inst- uh, another instance, right? We were floating in the flycraft, um, floating down the river uh, on the South Holston uh, after we escaped the duck hunters. <laughs> That's in another episode that we talked about on one of our early episodes, but uh, we're fishing a section, and Justin uh, gets broke off, right? He breaks off, I think, on a rock, because we're floating, right? So if you get hung up, it's kind of tough. I have to yeah. basically back row, and then you have to kind of try to pop it loose, but I think you ended up breaking it off. And you're like, oh, that's fine. I'll just tie a whole new rig. I'm like, okay. 
So I'm like, you know, I'm like messing with the anchor and I, I think I anchored up a little bit and I was just throwing a couple casts and, you know, t- two, three minutes goes by and, you know, I look over and, and he, and he's ready to go. And I'm like, holy shit. I was like, you're, you're already retired. And you know, I'm like, your flies are on there. And you're like, yeah, you're just, <laughs> you're back casting, man. And it just, it made things so much more efficient. You know, I wasn't sitting there for 20 minutes waiting for you to tie a new leader, even though I've been completely fine with that. I was extremely hungover. I was hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, we were, yeah, we were not in the in the greatest shape we were, we uh, were for that up. float. Great time. Well, that's that's but. actually why we, that's why we didn't uh, tie your leader the first night. No, no, I'm talking about. No, the, I, I uh, know, but we oh, were like drinking yeah, pretty heavily when oh, we yeah. like met up because it was in the middle yeah. of the night when we got there. It was pretty late, yeah. yeah. Before we like, old fucking Joe Bob showed. Yeah, up. we were we were drinking instead of <laughs> tying our leaders, but you know. Again, that's what I'm saying. Like, be prepared for the, you know, the inevitable. You well, know, yeah. I'm just saying you, you, you fucking rocked it. And it's just, I mean, it's the same <laughs> thing, just being comfortable and, like, you know, being prepared to be unprepared. Um, I, I knew where everything was. And yep. I, I've tied that shit so many times. And I've, um, I've you know, I've done it in, in so many different conditions. And I know where everything is that I can do that. You know, I could do it in my sleep if I yeah. needed to. Yeah, muscle memory. You know? It's good. Yeah. One thing, actually, that you just brought up that is a very interesting point. So I was watching, uh, I don't know if you watch Meat Eater on Netflix at all. With, I haven't, um, no. Uh, what's his name? Um, not Remy Warren, but, uh, oh, my gosh. Wow, this is ridiculous right now. Um, anyway, look it up. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, is that from Joe Rogan? No, it's not meat eater. Uh, no, 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 I know. Oh, oh, yeah, you're. <laughs> what's his What's his guy's name? Yeah. Uh, oh God, I can't Jay remember. Or James or something. Yeah. He's like, he's like, pull up the fight card, James. He's like, yeah, he's like, pull, pull it up, and, yeah. and then they're like, watch. He's like, turn it up. He's like, can you guys, can you guys hear that? All right, yeah, look it up. <laughs> so you're my, you're my guy. Yep. Um. But anyway, so they the this show Meat Eater is a great show, dude. It's phenomenal. Like it's 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 raw. It's there's not a whole lot of cinematic ex, you know aspect to it. It's just cool. Like Joe Joe Rogan's on one of them. Mark Kenyon from Wired to Hunt is on one of the hunts, and they're now partners actually. Um, but anyway, what I'm getting at is when you fly into Alaska, Stephen Ranella. Sorry. Yeah, yes, yeah, Ranella, Steven Ranella. So super successful hunter. Um, a lot of respect for him and what he does. Uh, but when you fly into Alaska on a backcountry hunt, you're actually not allowed to hunt the same day you fly, right? So if you take a bush plane in, let's say you land at like 1 p.m., uh, you know, you, you download all your gear, the plane takes off, you set up camp, get everything situated, check your gun, check your bow, you know, get all the food situated, um, you know, get your sleeping area rolled out and everything like that you know maybe maybe scoot over to a, a hillside right pull your binos out do some do some light uh you know scouting um or uh yeah just some observation and what that does is that it sets the conditions for a successful first day because if you got there and you know all the hype all the excitement you get off the plane you're in this super remote area you're just completely blown away by the by the landscape you know you got all your gear 
you know, there's bears around and stuff. And let's say you just kind of like, hey, fuck camp. I'm just going to throw my stuff down. Let's go. Let's go try to kill a moose. You know, like that's a bad approach. That's just a bad approach. It's rushed. It's probably not organized for sure. So in a way, it's like it, it actually makes it safer for the hunters, right, to not be able to hunt on the same day you fly because you kind of take the time to set everything up correctly and, you know, in turn, I think, make you more successful throughout the week of hunting, you know. And so I would encourage our listeners from just from experience, plan your trip like to get maybe there like, you know, at a decent hour on, on, the, on the day before you want to really start fishing hard. And don't really plan to fish. I'm bad about it. When I when I got on our last trip to the South Holston, I think I, I popped out of the truck. I literally grabbed my gear and I was on the river slinging dry flies for like the evening hatch. And oh, I, yeah. I'm not saying there's, you know, there's not a lot wrong with that because we weren't really setting up camp. We were sleeping in our trucks that night. But I would have rather like, you know, pulled all the stuff out, organize the food for dinner, you know, t- turn on some tunes, pop the beer, went over my gear, kind of surveyed everything, got it all in order, start cooking dinner, you show up and you're ready to go. I hand you a beer and we start drinking, you know, and having a good night. And then we're ready for for uh for the next day to actually wake up early and go fish. Leaders are done. We didn't get super hammered and lose like lose shit, you know, like I don't know. I think that's <laughs> the best approach, man. Like don't rush it is is what I'm saying. And yeah. and just plan plan to get there and, you know, have some prep time before you actually get down into it. If it's a, you know, if it's a trip, of course. If it's a day trip, fucking get after it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, man, it, it gave me a lot of perspective because like that's so true. Like, because you're most likely gonna make errors, you know, if you rush into it. Like you said, slow, smooth, smooth, fast, and having a good base camp and everything set up when you come back to like that's there's nothing better. It's like you know, it's like you're home away from home. It's a little piece of comfort for you. So, yep, and I th- I think uh, that'd be one good tip. You know, I mean, we've we've discussed it thousands of times, but you know, like a th- this trip is three or four days, um, but it's essentially it's three weeks in the making you know um there's a lot of work on the back end that goes into it um i've been preparing for this trip you know probably since middle of september um so it'll be going on about a month of preparation leading into it and um hopefully that means it's a successful um trip on the water you know for uh you know a an interesting situation where you know it's a river I've never fished for a species I've never fished for with a, um, a rod and, and real combo and setup that, you know, I'm not very comfortable with, um, yet anyway, hopefully after this trip, I'm feeling pretty good with an eight weight. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I'm looking forward to thinking about, you know, l- reflecting on what I do on the water this coming weekend. Um, and relaying it to, to you and, you know, all of the listeners. So should be a good one, man. Hopefully, uh, all the tips that we, we spout out and, you know, everything we talk about, like, you know, hopefully I can internalize that in, in turn and, you know, make use of it. So should be a good trip, man. I'm looking forward to sharing it with everyone. Yeah. So you guys need to hold Justin accountable for his trip. Uh, cause I'm expecting big things from him for, uh, first trip you know i'm expecting uh, a nice a nice detailed blog with some good pictures so you guys can uh have an idea if you are looking to go chase some salmon this fall uh, or into the winter really because that's you know steelhead's gonna start getting real popular mm-hmm. and, and they're they're very similar techniques for those fish so i think a lot of people could probably learn from you know your mistakes really um 
Because there you will know, be that you're, mistakes. That you're inevitably, yeah, you're inevitably going to make, right, when you get out there because you have no idea what you're doing, really. But there will be a success of the trip, a success story. And, I, I'm, dude, I'm pumped to hear about it. Uh, it's going to be... <laughs> It's gonna be the highlight of my week. I'm not doing. I'm not doing jack. So I'm counting on you uh, to provide me some sweet content. Hell yeah, man! But uh, really good podcast. I've enjoyed. Uh, I've enjoyed chatting with you. We took a little bit different approach today and just talked pretty much strictly fishing and you know everything in between, uh, which is actually in our intro. That's, that's yep. slightly fitting. Exactly <laughs> what we're going for. Sneaky little devil, you. Um, but yeah, I uh, appreciate you guys joining us. Uh, it's been good. Uh, we'll have some good content on the next podcast. We'll be able to talk to Justin about his trip uh, with the boys. And uh, we'll be talking actually probably about our our, our trip coming up too, hopefully, yeah, um, hell yeah. in November. Because that'll be a good time. Be a little different. Won't be trout, trout focused, which will be a, a nice change of pace. Yeah, it will be. It'll be kind of so, weird. Yeah, it will be a little weird. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for joining us uh, at Berman and Brown's podcast. And uh, if you guys, if you guys don't know, now you know. There's another word in there, but it's an exp- expletive, and I don't want to say it. It's from a, it's from a Jay Z. Is that Jay Z song? I have no idea. I forget what song guy. that is. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's not appropriate. <laughs> but anyway, we're on iTunes, right? So Berman and Brown's, you can find the actual podcast on iTunes, or uh, you can listen to it on our website com, right so there's two ways to listen i prefer the uh itunes route because i can listen to it in my truck just pull up apple play and it's right there but if you want to go to the website and read justin's blogs and my one blog go ahead They're pretty They're good. good we need to get up on it though yeah we'll we'll, uh, we'll get a handle on it you know a new year is coming up pretty quick and uh not <laughs> I expect some stuff before then, of course. Give but. it the old college <laughs> try. Well, that uh, that wraps up episode 10 here at Bourbon and Browns. It's a really good conversation. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it, and we will see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for joining us, and tight lines as always. 